Welcome to the Live Your Spa Life Show. Spa life is where accomplishment and harmony coexist. Now, here's your host and Spa Life curator, Diane Halfman. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Live Your Spa Life Show. Spa life is a lifestyle that accepts that accomplishment and harmony coexist. The spa and spa life, the SPA, is for seek power always to do that deeper work that you are here to do in the world. I am so fired up for our next guest that we have, which is Sarah Apgar, who is the founder of Fit Fighter, a strength solution for everyone ages 8 to 80. And she originally designed her signature training tool, the Steel Hose. And for those of you who are watching versus listening, I just have to hold up one of these. You can have them where it says firefighter. These are like heavy. You know, this one here is only like five pounds, but you can also have them where they are designed and specifically for your thing. So here it says Fitness Quest 10 on this one here, which is our gym and and our our favorite gym uh, training mentor, Todd Durkin. And so we want to give a little shout out to them. But I just want you guys to have a little bit visual about that. And for those of you who are listening, I'm going to let Sarah kind of explain as far as what that actually looks like. But she actually rolled out the steel hose featured in the 2020 on the ABC Shark Tank to train firefighters for the better rigors of the job. And Sarah is an Iraq War veteran. So Sarah, thank you for your service. And uh, she's also an All-American collegiate athlete fitness professional, former volunteer firefighter, and mom of two little girls. In addition to her primetime Shark Tank debut, Sarah and Fit Fighter have been featured in Rolling Stone, Men's Health, Muscle and Fitness, ABC News, and Oxygen Magazine, and she's performed for clients of the likes of ESPN, FDNY, and the United States military. She lives in Port Washington, New York, with her husband, Ben Smith, who is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon, and her two young daughters, Emery and Arlen, and her puppy, Louisiana. (laughs) Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm so psyched to be here. So what the heck? First of all, how did you get this in your idea? And do some a little bit of explaining, you know, for those who can see um, here with the steel hose, how'd you come up with this concept? You know, how'd you roll it out and explain a little bit to what it actually looks like for those who are listening? Absolutely. Well, yeah. And don't worry, everybody should have a steel hose with them. In fact, this one actually has that custom logo too from ESPN Women in Sports Summit, which you mentioned. One of my really wonderful experience. So yeah, the steel hose is a beautiful tool because it's made of real fire hose. It's made of steel shot, which is a steel that flows tiny little shot steel balls, not hard steel. They flow like water, but five times as dense. So you get this really nice semi-rigid structure that feels great to grip. It's nylon on the outside, rubber on the inside, and has this great grommet, which not only is great for storage just right on your coat rack next to your car keys, um, suit strength at any time, but also great for resistance training. You could put a resistance band on the end of that, and all of a sudden, you've got like a weighted handle for doing band work. So anybody who is already doing strength training, you know, is of course going to compare this to other tools they've used, such as a dumbbell or a sandbag. The steel hose takes on a life of its own because originally we were working to train grip strength and core stability. And we realized that the distribution of weight in this horizontal manner with grips all along the hose versus just in one place, fixed place on any other type of tool gives us this just endless possibilities and a very unique imbalance structure. And I am here to say that imbalance weight load is the wave of the future when it comes to strength training because 
This is what is going to prepare 95% of us who aren't elite athletes with very, very specific, you know, niche requirements for our movements. This is going to prepare most of us, the large majority for the everyday movements of life, the demands on our bodies, you know, lifting kids, hopping in the car, running up the stairs, putting our dishes away. I mean, it sounds funny, but shoveling snow, there's 11,000 injuries a year. This is the type of work we need to do. It's core stability, it's grip strength, and it's not so much that rote sort of like lifting, you know, that we are used to with dumbbells. So I'm here to create sort of the wave of the future with strength training for the large majority of people. Yeah, I love this. You know, especially that, you know, you don't think about your balance and when you have to train being off balance, that it really helps you those stabilizing muscles. I mean, we always hear about, you know, even talks about, you know, the arm farm and, and people working big, larger muscles, but it's those little intricate ones. Those are the ones that can have the injuries that can happen when you don't focus on some of those. And as a retired police officer, I know that there were a lot of times you're sanitary in the car and it's those dynamic movements jumping out in a chase or, or, you know, whatever things that you need to do. And same with all the, the first responders, you know, you need to be able to have that, that burst and blast. And when you are working those, those smaller muscles to build that core strength, that really helps. And I love how you are talking about, you know, just the everyday person. I mean, there's been this sedentary life that has kind of set in for a lot of people, which can lead to a lot of depression and fitness can really turn that around. And so I would love, you mean, we're both mothers of of two children, of of, of two daughters. Um, Mine are grown. So I actually have two granddaughters as well. So the next generation, but what do we want to say to the moms out there and talking about how, you know, a lot of people I've talked to, they may still be in fear mode with a lot of things happening in society. They may be, you know, less confident, you know, post COVID. What is it that you can say to them as far as how they can start stepping more and embracing into life? Yeah, we've gotten, I think, very insular. You know, we haven't had this connections, communication in the same way that touched and feel of people and being able to, to pull the energy sort of in and out and around us from being with others. And I've noticed as a very super extroverted social being, you know, how much that's impacted me. And, you know, even though we get to talk to people all day long and use our voices, that has been really hard. And so being able to put one foot in front of the other is requiring us to reach out to that village that we know is our really our support network, the true team that surrounds you, whether that's friends, family, colleagues, and create connections. And as much as possible, now that we're in a bit of that post-pandemic world, for us to really lean on those connections and actually experiment with them and really talk about things we haven't talked about a little bit more deeply, you know, get a little bit more personal, talk about some of the struggles and know that that probably that person is seeking that same connection, you know, desperate for that. So that's that's the first thing that I would suggest that for me has been fundamental in moving forward as an entrepreneur. I'm slogging through, you know, an early stage company day to day as well. And then second thing I would say is to really be relying on our strength. We have to get up and we have to start moving. We have to get involved and engaged. We have to be standing with a strong posture, you know, when we're talking, even if it's in a meeting or on a Zoom, we have to be engaging with our kids and we have to be, you know, seeking sort of that intellectual stimulation and the physical stimulation too. So that's very much the fit fighter philosophy 
is absolutely to seek that, to move, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes a day. So those are two ways, one more about connection and one more about sort of the physical and mental engagement and health and curiosity that I think are really fundamental for us right now to experiment and stay curious and realize that fear is something that can propel us forward. You know, one of my coaches, Kelly Watson, who actually knows Todd Durkin well, who you mentioned as well, she said something to me that was so really has stuck with me a few months ago because we've had our ups and downs in in our business and we've had to pivot in our strategy a number of times. And she said, you know what I was talking to her about when you're feeling like a day where you really feel like you're hitting rock bottom and you feel like the kids have had a temper tantrum in the morning and you're not succeeding as a mom and you've had a rough day in the company and you are just, everything feels like it's going wrong. And she was like, you know what, Sarah? What a great opportunity that moment presents you to say, okay, I'm at rock bottom, sitting on the ground. That is a chance to propel upwards. So she was like, I want you to stand up and say, congratulations, Sarah. You hit the bottom. There's nowhere to go but up. And I sort of get goosebumps like a little bit, you know, sharing that because it was so impactful for me. I was like, yeah, that's great advice. Because what else are you going to do? You know? (laughs) So anyway, that was really powerful for me. Well, and you know, there's such a fear that comes from failure, right? Like, you know, if this happens and that could happen and, you know, this kind of cascading of of fear that's happening. And when you take from that perspective, if you feel like you're at rock bottom and you just acknowledge, okay, here I am, up is the only way to go, right? And we talk about, you know, failing forward and being able to have things in our space that that allows us to look at things from a different perspective. You have such a unique way of, I mean, especially being a veteran and, you know, very physical type things and and work that you've been in. I love your mindset aspect of it as well in terms of operating as if you've already made it. Can you speak a little bit about the mindset aspect of, of just the survivability of skills and not just surviving, but thriving, like being that vibrant person that you are? Yeah, this is another one that as an entrepreneur and probably as, you know, a mom that maybe has, you know, a dream that they're, you know, wanting to achieve, but haven't started to lay the foundation yet. If you're someone who has sort of a really steady day to day, you know, role, but you have aspirations or you're sort of trying to come out of the ashes from COVID, maybe you're a caregiver, you know, who's constantly sort of having this, this sort of day to day burden on them. And I always think about, well, we're never going to achieve, you know, the top of that next peak. If we think about sort of climbing to that first false peak and then that first false peak and then eventually reaching some sort of esoteric summit, you know, the only way we're going to get there is if you can really feel what that feels like and really live the lifestyle and the make the decisions and have the energy and the confidence of being there. That's the only way we're ever going to actually achieve that because otherwise we're sort of just, you know, taking these baby steps, sort of one step forward, two steps back. And this is hard. I definitely do not have this figured out. But again, talking with my advisors, my coaches, my mentors, this is something I've worked a lot on because right now in a company, I have a lot of debt. I owe money to people. I have, you know, challenges every day where things aren't working. I have team members, you know, looking to me for answers. I'm the decision maker. I'm the guardian of my brand. 
I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. And this is a lot of burden we each have on all of us have this every day, especially after the last year and a half. And so what I try to do is to shift forward to sort of sit up onto my sits bones, invoke the physical, mental, and emotional, the sort of trifecta of us having this, you know, successful self and just really try to say, okay, like I have to put myself in the mindset where I'm leading a company that's a billion dollar company, where I am the CEO of a successful brand that's a household name in the fitness industry. We've got to fast forward and say, what does that feel like? How would I operate if I was that way? I'd be a little more, I would be more confident. I would probably make my decisions with you know, an air of of greater sort of structure and conviction. And so I try to invoke that. And I try to to talk with my mentors about that and be reminded of that confidence on those days where it's really challenging to find that within yourself. Right. Well, and I love how you talk about the visualization. And if you can't see yourself there, like what do you need to do to get that picture in your, your face and in that vision so that you know where you're going? And you did that for Shark Tank. Like, how much visualization did you do, and how much preparation before you had those seconds there? And you know, you talk about that moment as being something that you just felt the most confidence, and you just knocked it out of the park. You know, talk a little bit about that, about the preparation that once you got there, you you visualize it so much that once you got there, I mean, did it almost feel like a movie was rolling out that you like you've done this before and. How were you able to pull on that confidence, especially with that large of a stage and that many eyes on you? I am so happy to talk about the behind the scenes, you know, behind that curtain of Shark Tank, because that show of any other, I think, I mean, maybe also, you know, America's Got Talent or any of these sort of realities, the sort of evening reality shows that are about kind of your have this business angle or talent angle. It makes it look like things are a shiny object and an overnight success, you know, this lightning in a bottle moment. And there's no question about it that it is because when 5 million people get to see you on prime time, I mean, that absolutely launched our direct to consumer brand and our business and to the future. But also, there were ahead of that time 45 days of intense and diligent preparation where every single day I woke up and I started with a three to five minute meditation in the morning. And then I had 90 minutes of pitch practice. So that two minute pitch that you saw at the beginning of Shark Tank, I practiced that every single day for 90 minutes for 45 days before that show. So we're talking hundreds of hours of ultimately saying that same two minutes and all of the physical, mental, and emotional that goes along with that. And then on top of that, I did preparation for, you know, the question and answer, the part that's not so, you know, that I was not so confident about because I couldn't necessarily own that moment and know that, you know, I, it was me in the limelight, sort of me, myself and I in that moment. And so this, just this rote preparation, I think that I'm here to communicate that, you know, that plus the commitment, plus of course, a little bit of luck, plus the mentorship and you know then ultimately walking out with that mindset we talked about you know the confidence in that mindset do ultimately lead to success not every time you can prepare for a long long time and then have a failure but there's no question about it living breathing example of you know preparation directly leading to success and what i think about is you want to think about preparing so that when you imagine that moment, in my case, those initial two minutes of that pitch, that 
I just said, you know, this is mine to own. And if this fails, that's, that's on me, you know, only me. You want to imagine that moment feeling like a joyful moment and an experience of sort of power and joy versus a sort of moment where you feel like you have those sort of like those butterflies and those nerves. Like you're always going to have a little bit of that. There's no human being that before something big, that's that fight or flight in us. But if that is coupled with this anticipation and this expectation of creating joy and of building a moment of adventure and success, then you know that you've done enough preparation. Like then you know, like, okay, I can envision this as a time when I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to smile and look in the eye to each one of those sharks, you know, for the 30 seconds before my pitch and then just rock out because this is going to be fun and this is what I do and I'm going to own this moment. That to me is a big distinction because I've had moments I've prepared for and I think I either lacked the preparation or a different approach or there was a component missing because instead it was just like, hold on to your you know, hold on to your tights, <laughs> like hold on to your socks, you know? And it didn't feel like, wow, this is just, I'm here to, you know, stand up and and be me and create this moment of joy. So that I think is an, a distinction. I'm not sure that we ever talk about as we learn through our education system, you know, as we're trained as professionals, you know, in the workforce, I'm not sure we kind of make distinctions like that. Maybe performers do, you know, artists and musicians that are on stage a lot, but life's a stage and all of us are on it. And we all have these differing level of moments like that. And I think you can translate into that, into the everyday also. Right. Absolutely. I I think that these are all like transferable skills. I think you look at your life and the different aspects of it. And, you know, we talk about having practice. I was thinking about one of uh, my mentors, uh, Bo Eason, who was a, a pro athlete, who now, you know, speaks on stages and, and he talks about having, you know, perfect practice. And one of the things he said, when they were practicing the athletes that excelled the most, you know, the people that excel in their field and whatever it is they're doing, it's that, that dedication to the process about the practicing. It's like the endless aspects of it. And that there's thousands of hours that go into where people see, you know, that, 30 seconds or those two minutes and think like you just walked in there and, and rolled it off the top of your tongue, right? But they don't see all of the, you know, the tenacity and the grit and all the things that it takes behind the scenes to make that happen. And that it's really uh, someone who looks at it in terms of the art of it, the game of it, that the practice, that that's actually being in it, right? That by the time you actually get to the game or you get to the pitch, that's almost an afterthought in a way because you've seen it so many times, you've done it so many times that it's like you could tell in that clip that you were confident, that you know there was no mincing of words. You, you had it because it was embodied within who you are. And so I just think that is such a, a great thing. And is that did you grow up with that? I mean, was that something in your training? I mean, having you know, military training and also being an athlete, you know, having discipline and these kind of things are, are part of the deal. But was that you as a kid? Wow. I, like, I wish my parents were here to answer that question kind of, you know, from their perspective. Like, I think that I was raised 
watching that in both of my parents. My dad was an entrepreneur. I watched him start and grow a company. He was a person that just had this... He wore rose-colored goggles. He still does. My dad's 80 now. and My mom is 72. And just both of them, you know, I think I was really fortunate as a child to not only, you know, did I have a really fortunate background, you know, great education, unconditionally loving family, but I also had an example set for me through both of them, you know, of that. And so I think that that translated into the desire to want to do things like be in the military and not feel, you know, to our sort of topic of fear, like to be able to take that step and take that risk. I think that we are inherently able to take more risk than we think. And I think the large majority of us don't push our envelope. I think we are given, I think through our education system and not having enough, you know, experiential education and not having enough opportunities, I think to experience risk and success and failure in safe environments. And unfortunately, I think it's actually almost getting just a little bit worse in that we're placing like more and more pressure, you know, on younger kids to be successful. And in some strange way, almost feels like, I feel like that then makes people sort of like not, you know, makes them risk averse, you know, makes them sort of not because they're sort of like, oh my gosh, like there's a lot riding on this, you know, I have to succeed. And I think I was just raised in a really supportive environment where you, it was okay to take risks and you knew that you were going to be loved and supported, even if you took that and you failed. And so I think that translated into then a great sort of like amateur and professional growth for me as a person, where then I played those sports in high school. And then that translated into like, okay, I'm going to play sports, you know, at a competitive level in college. And then, okay, wow, the military seems very intriguing to me. And okay, like I've been given this level of confidence and sort of love of, you know, being challenged and and taking risks that made that seem like something that was a great fit. And absolutely in the military, I mean, the, I have crazy stories about, you know, arriving to my first unit ever. And I mean, gosh, we could have a whole nother sort of show talking about some of my experiences as a woman, a female soldier and leader, you know, in the military and some things like this. But, you know, I remember arriving and one of the first things that one of my soldiers said to me was one of my squad leaders. And he said, you know, listen, I'm just going to tell you that, you know, we just had a really bad experience with our former platoon leader and you're taking over command from a person and you have really big shoes to fill. And not only that, he said, and also just let you know that we were kind of wishing that it was going to be a dude. I mean, can you imagine? You're like, I can. <laughs> yeah, you can, right? Because you know. Yeah. And because a lot of us has experienced that in just day to day life. And so I'm sitting here like, okay, I'm 24 years old and I've just arrived overseas on my first deployment. I'm taking over command of this platoon where, ha- you know, the majority of the platoon is older and wiser than I am. It's just the military, it's just how it's set up. And they're telling me that they wish I was a dude. I mean, talk about walking into the, like the wolf and <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's moments like that where you got to like, you, there's no choice but to sort of combine like the way you act in that present moment with humility and with confidence. And then also leaning on that sort of past of saying, well, I, I know I have love and support, even if I totally crash and burn here at first, like I'll figure this out and I'll lean on the team. And so... 
just experiences like that went on and on and on throughout the 20 years following and, and into the volunteer fire service and through my business life. And so I think that it's that combination of, as you noted, like our, you know, who we are as people from a very early age, and then how that fuels the choices that we make and the experiences that we have. And I do believe that Fit Fighter is a manifestation of my entire life and all of those experiences. And so it's very deeply personal for me in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, those are defining moments. You know, the the decisions you say, the thing that comes out of your mouth at that time, you know, you either establish yourself as a leader, right? Or they, they see how they can push the buttons and see what can happen. I mean, when I first started with the police department, I was the only woman on my squad. And in fact, you know, speaking about some of those things where you're like, did that really happen? I remember getting called into my sergeant's office. This was my first night. And he just said, yeah, all the uh, girlfriends and wives of the, of the guys on the squad don't want you riding with their husband. And so are you okay being a John unit, which is a single unit out in the hood? <laughs> and of course, I'm like, sure, of course, I've got this, right? I think no problem. But it's like those kind of moments, like when you can get through hard things and you see that, I mean, the first time being shot at, right? You know, how do you explain the sound of a bullet, right? And, and what you do in those moments and happen. And a lot of people maybe have not experienced some of the field training that, that you and I have experienced, but everything that you do, it either elevates you to that level of like, okay, I can do that, right? And the more that you can build more of those experiences up, you build that fortitude and you build that tenacity and you can now take all of those life experiences and be able to apply them to it. And it's it's being that victor versus a victim, right? And, and how you choose to do things. And, you know, I love how you talk about having superpowers. I'd love for you to talk about what yours are and how do you focus on them? Yeah, I think everybody should take stock personally and then ask friends and family of what they think that your superpowers are. Because I think that that's a really wonderful list to compile and one that can then, you know, morph and change. And that's the other thing that's really cool as we move forward. So yeah, my superpowers, I have three superpowers that I think about. One is that what I call now, I call sprinkling steel. And that is really bringing energy, life, vigor, sunshine to people all throughout the day. I mean, of course, like every human, I have my my moments of, of low energy and you know rest. I also am a person who feeds so much off the energy of others that I can just walk, wander into the grocery store. And somehow I just like find someone who, you know, you lock eyes with them and you sort of smile, this big smile and say hello with a boisterous hello. And literally people on a regular basis as I live my day-to-day life are always sort of cock their head and say, wow, someone's happy today. (laughs) I mean, that happens to me all the time. And I don't think about it that way. I'm just saying hello and giving them sort of a wave. And it's not because I'm always having a great day. Like I've just described, like I've had some pretty crappy days. (laughs) And in fact, a lot of them. And now, you know, it's ups and downs all the time. But it's just because it's a superpower. I give granted that, I think, at birth because I lock with humans and other people and and feed off of their energy and I'm able to sort of like bounce them back. And so that's really beautiful. The second superpower I have is this ability to, I think, operate in a team setting and really lean on teams and, and sort of like understand the dynamics of teams and groups of people in a way that has made me really adaptable and flexible. So I think about all those experience we just talked about and 
you don't survive as a woman in fire service, you know, if you can't sort of ride that fine line between, you know, you're not going to take any garbage from someone, of course, but you're also going to realize that everybody is coming at an experience or a person from their own angle. And I think the ability to walk that line is ultimately your ability to make change. Because if you're too adamantly, you know, against or opposed to someone else's point of view or not willing to let them into your heart and to your mind, then you're not going to be successful with ultimately reaching them. And so I think that's really superpower number two. And superpower number three is I have a really, I think about physical movement and strength in a different way that I think that a lot of people have. And that's led me to think about, and that's led ultimately to Fit Fighter. The training philosophy that I have, I believe that you can be both joyful and highly competitive all at the same time. I believe that you can find joy and movement and build strength through experiment and curiosity rather than just you know the sets and reps. I believe that there's these juxtapositions that can exist. You can be both serious and also silly at the same time. And I think that that's enabled a really special sort of approach to my training and my the way I think about strength and the way that I know that people have more strength than they think. And so I think that everybody should think through what their superpowers are and then really deliver on them because we have lots of weaknesses and limitations too. And we need to be bolstered up by other people's superpowers. So I rely on superpowers of others that are complementary to mine and you know, in order to be successful. And I try to really embrace that because I do have, I think, some stark limitations, especially like as a CEO building a company for the first time. I don't have a lot of experience with that. It's more as, you know, an inventor and creator and someone who had a big inspiration. So I think superpowers are really special and important. Nice. So how is it that, you know, you've got two young daughters who are are looking up to you and seeing how mom is doing things. How is it then like in your home as far as transferring the competitive spirit, having creativity, you know, kind of having that balance of, of silliness and seriousness, you know, what have they embraced to take on as their own characteristics? My daughters, it's so fascinating to watch them so keenly. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you had this too, but so keenly watching me and my husband as we sort of navigate our own lives, the things we say, the things we do, the tone of voice that we use, they just mirror and mimic everything. And so it's fun to see them like marry that with their own little unique personalities. Emery's a little bit more conservative. Arlen's going to be my rugby player. They're definitely their own people, but they also, I see them even talking with their friends and I talk with their teachers, you know, and sort of, and they'll sort of say these, these funny things that they say and the actions they take and do. And you just think, wow, they're such a sponge and you're the, the sort of maximum influence on them. And so they are growing up. I love that they are growing up believing and thinking things that I think that all other humans should, should think about. So, I mean, they, for one, just on sort of like a comical note, they think that everybody has hoses, has fire hose in every room in their house. We literally literally have steel hoses in every room, like including bedrooms. Like they're just 
around because I'm always like doing a workout somewhere else because someone's watching TV or it's raining outside. I'm always like out on the deck, you know, running my Friday lives. I do a little bit of strength work here and there with whatever I'm showing people I'm doing podcasts. I have like them sitting on the piano bench. And so little things like that, they just, they're seeing us go in and out of our lives and things I do and things I'm creating. And they think that that's, you know, what everybody does. And I love that because it doesn't have to be that everybody has hoses in every room in their house, but it is symbolic of an idea that I have, which is that woven into the fabric of our lives should be movement and strength. And all of these, you know, some of the qualities we've been talking about that helps us to get over that sedentary nature of our lives and move forward and move up. And, you know, congratulations, you've hit bottom, let's go. All of these things have to be characterized by a really different physical approach to our lives. And so things like that, that I think are really great. They know the office as a studio and a factory. You know, they think that someone's office is a place where you go and run workouts in front of computers and, you know, you make things and they're sewing machines. They know that the people who work for me can sew, you know, they're like, oh man, like the dog pulled Patrick's ear off. Do you think William can fix it? I mean, I love that they think that way, you know? So I think it's a beautiful manifestation of what they're watching. I know they'll become their own people, but I love that I can impart on them things that I think are really positive. Yeah. I love that. Well, and speaking of what you create in your home, one of the things I love to ask my guests is we have different experiences in different rooms of our home. We have different experiences in our office versus our bedroom versus our kitchen. What is your favorite room in your home and why? What a fun question. My favorite room is definitely our family room. It's our playroom. It's got a big couch. I'm a person who wants a wall-to-wall carpet, you know, in every room, the house. And so it's just a place where we, that's the node. That's where we convene. It has the door out to the deck outside. You can take a deep breath. So yeah, it's just got a lot of good, there's a lot of good vibes that happen there and you're going to gravitate there, you know, if you have a moment. Nice. I love that. Well, I know that our listeners are going to want to stay in contact with you. They are going to want to have one of their own Fit Fighters in their home. How can they do all of that? You can find us. The best place to start is fitfighter.com because they'll get to learn a little bit more and peruse some of the classes and opportunities we have to train. This is absolutely a a programmatic approach. You know, Steel Hose is not just a great strength tool, but we have an entire system with world-class pros who are 24-7 on demand through our platform. I run my Friday lives from that platform too. And so that's a great place. We also have a lot of fun on our Instagram at FitFighters. Our handle at FitFighterPro is all movements and education. This is a great place if you have any personal trainers or fitness professionals that are out there listening. And then you can also find me from a business perspective. I do write articles and share more of the business side on LinkedIn. So you can find me at Sarah Apgar on LinkedIn too. So lots of ways you can't possibly miss us if you look up the fighter online. Perfect. Well, and I'd like to just end with our, you know, our theme this year are, you know, people who are being a force for good in the world. And so Sarah, how are you being a force for good? Well, I am just trying to sprinkle steel everywhere I go. <laughs> and that's my new sort of term. Now that I've made, I feel like that steel inside our steel hoses is sort of this manifestation of, you know, my my energy and my life. And I think that's going to go a long way, especially right now as we're all trying to you know, claw our way back from a really challenging year. 
Right. Uh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, your vision and your path and your wisdom. And I so appreciate you are such a great example of, you know, you have shared before that you can still make an impact in the world when it feels like there's so much already out there that there's still room for good, brilliant ideas and that you've created that space. So I just want to thank you for that, that bright spot that you are in the world and those superpowers that you bring. So thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was so awesome to chat and reflect. You took me all the way back to childhood. and (laughs) So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Oh, you got it. And to our listeners, thank you for being here and being part of Positive Messages. And we would really love for you to subscribe. If you have any questions, make sure that you tag both myself and Sarah. We're happy to answer any questions. Make sure that uh, you check out fitfighter.com and you get one for yourself. And if you don't have one in your gym, make sure that your trainer checks it out and get it in there because that is such an important tool to have. And until we connect again, live your spa life. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Your host and spa life curator, Diane Halfman, wants you to know you can download her free guide to start living your spa life right now. Go to dianehalfman.com and click on the link for the nine secrets to step into your spa life. Now, live your spa life where accomplishment and harmony coexist.